SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, continuing to give you the edge on Sports Grid. Hour number two, I'm Dane Martinez, my main man, Kevin Walsh, live and direct from the basement, where we put the fun and functional sports content. We have been talking over the last couple of days about this MLS is back tournament and all of the kind of ripple effects, whether they are societal, whether they are public health, whether they are competitive advantage. And we are lucky enough now to have our guy, Tom Bogart, join the show. He is kind of a soccer correspondent, MLS contributor. You can see his work on SNY and a number of publications. Tom, how you doing? It must have felt almost like, you know, Christmas morning for you because at least what I'm seeing in hashtags, apparently the MLS is back. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, good morning, fellas. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was something. Um, I'm still not in midseason form. You know, my voice was a little raspy this morning. <laughs> you know, we just got to take it game by game and, and hope to get the form back, you know? Absolutely. Let me ask you this. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this big picture question, right? Obviously, we're going into this bubble. I don't believe it's a bubble, just just so you know, right off the bat. I think there are holes in the bubble. But FC Dallas, obviously, no longer in the tournament. We know the situation with Nashville. I believe that in the next 24 hours, they may get bounced from the tournament as well. We never know if and when and how an outbreak can happen. Is this going to be something that MLS, Tom, is just going to have to grin and bear it and deal with it because it will happen? Or, like, are they going to – do you think there's a universe where this kind of snowballs out of control and they actually have to, like, shut down the tournament? We put a poll question up yesterday, and most people are concerned that this thing will go off and finish. Yeah, so the concern I definitely understand, and what the issue would be is if – these teams were giving it to each other or if these teams were contracting it once they got in the bubble. Um, but they haven't. Um, Dallas and Nashville, their original positive tests came from home markets before that they traveled to Orlando. So um, if there is a silver lining, and, and that even feels weird to say something like that around something so serious like this, um, that would be the silver lining. And, and Commissioner Don Garber kind of um, when when Dallas was forced to withdraw, he uh, kind of made the media rounds and pretty much assured that, like, you know, we still feel confident in this and gave the points that I just gave and said, you know, but you, you, the second that I feel that this isn't right and, and this isn't safe or, you know, whatever, our bubble is compromised, then, then I have, I'm going to have no problem, uh, you know, calling this off. So um, I guess we take him at his word uh, for sure. And, and, and I guess just, just hope that this a uh, little little few day window here between Dallas and Nashville was kind of you know the worst news we were going to get. Hmm. Let me ask you, Tom, about uh, last night's game that got us underway with uh, Orlando and Miami. I-, I thought overall, like the first half being a scholar, uh, you know, no goals, like that's twenty twenty, right? Like we couldn't have everything come out of the gates hot. But overall, I thought it was an exciting game. Whenever you get an extra time winner, Nani looked great. Certainly, man of the match with the goal and the assist in this game. What did you think of the first game that the MLS offered us? Um, better than I expected, I'm going to be honest, because I went in with pretty low expectations. Um, you know, I was I was joking to a couple colleagues, like, before the game, I was like, this has nil-nil written all over it, doesn't it? Like, it has to be, you know? <laughs> so, um, like you said, it started a little slow. The teams are feeling each other out. A lot of players I've talked to um, uh, around the league I kind of said, you know, we'll see how it goes, I guess, in the first 10 or 15 minutes, just because... You know, you never know what the match sharpness is going to be. But both teams kind of played into it. Uh, the five substitution rule looked like it really helped. The, the game really picked up over the last 30 minutes as fresh legs are coming in. And, you know, Inter Miami's best player, Rodolfo Bizarro, and uh, that kind of unlocked a few other people on the field. You know, a couple of Orlando subs really made a difference before Nani ultimately got the winner. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just I guess I guess I'm, because I'm a little cynical that that went I guess, better than I expected. 
Yeah, Tom, you know, I am a cynical New Yorker as well. Yesterday, I even was going for a nil-nil draw. I bet the draw. <laughs> I bet no on both teams to score yesterday, and those did not come through. I will say this, though, Tom. You know, you talked about, hey, maybe you're not in midseason form. You know, the commentators making the points. Maybe the players weren't in midseason form. We definitely saw in the second half the game open up a little bit, right? Is that something you think will be a trend early on in this tournament, maybe feeling each other out, slow, sloppy in the first half, opening up more goals? And if so, how could we bet that? Am I betting like first half scoreless draws? Am I betting over goals in the second half? How might I try to play that if I want to make some money off this tournament, Tom? That's a good call. Um, I mean, so the way you laid it out, that sounds pretty great. But um, I guess I guess we need a little bit of a bigger sample size, you know, before we write on that. Because <laughs> let's say NYCFC and Philly come at 9 a.m. this morning and Philly just sprint out of the gate because that's the only way they know mm. how to play. They've been very good at it. Um, what happens if they sprint out of the break, uh, out of the gate, either get a goal, give up a goal, and then say minutes 30 through 60 is just sloppy and, and, and slower and, and like disjointed. So um, in theory, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with, with kind of where you're going and particularly, you know, the feeling each other out in these first games, seeing what everybody has, seeing what the team is like, um, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but again, you know, I could look like an idiot in, you know, an hour and a half. If, if because both teams are going wild. So I, I mean, I guess we'll see. Let me ask you uh, specifically about NYCFC uh, against the Union. This is a very highly anticipated matchup, right? Like, this is one where I think these two teams will look at this and maybe the winner is going to win the group. So for a game of this importance to be both of these teams' first games, do you think there's a bit of a feeling out process there? Do you just expect them to straight go for it? Like, because... I would say that the importance of this game, like if you were to say the most important games of the group stage, this would make the top five, and it's game number one for both these teams. Yeah, I agree. That, that's been, I guess, my like hipster soccer nerd take uh, so far in the tournament <laughs> is that like, I, I've been calling this you know, the, the group stage game I'm most looking forward to. But even there, like, like you said, for all the points you laid out, maybe they're just going to feel each other out. Um, and it's the first 9 a.m. kickoff. What are these guys going to look right. like? Right. 5.30 a.m. pregame meals, like, Philadelphia captain Alejandro Bedoya was like, look, I'm not looking forward to waking up at that time. You know, it's going to be, might be sloppy. Like, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. But so uh, I guess that's another one to kind of put put into uh, the equation to if maybe you want to go with goal is first half or first half under. But, like, um, yeah, again, like, Philly, Philly kind of pride themselves on intensity, on energy, on, on high pressing. And if not just for the playing style, but for the mentality. So I would be surprised if they start slow, um, even though that it's 9 a.m., but, you know, that doesn't always result in goals because NYCFC might be trying to kind of kill the intensity early just because they know that's how uh, Philly's going to play and maybe try to tire them out. Talk about the body clock of it all, Tom. I'm an NYC guy, and I know they've got all these Scandinavian players. It's already in the middle of the <laughs> afternoon out there, right? So Tinnerholm should be fine. Matritu should be fine. You know what I mean? The body clock is absolutely cool for them. Let me ask you this, you know, because you're so plugged in, obviously, to MLS. We know this is a very unique context, right? Are there any teams, in your opinion, where the situation helps them, right? Is it? Are you looking at maybe younger teams? Are you looking at teams that maybe have been together and have consistency? You know, I know NYC and other teams have new coaches that are also starting to try to implement their game plan. Are you fading those kind of teams? Any any uh, teams that you think can take advantage of the context of what this tournament is going to be in? Who do you like? Who might get a boost because of what they're about to set out to do? So... Continuity is definitely a big one. Obviously, overall talent, but you know that's not breaking any news. Um, but but squad depth is going to be super important for all these teams. Like you saw, um, particularly with Orlando last night. Like Inter Miami starting eleven um, went fully fit. Um, so maybe not last night technically, but you know Orlando's doesn't have the greatest strongest eleven, but they have a solid bench. You know they don't kind of lose much when they go to the bench in, in a couple of spots. So teams like that are going to be the ones that. You know, over the course of the tournament, kind of fare the best. You know, Philly's a team that I like that with you know the combination of a strong starting eleven, 
good depth and youth, which is very important for the way they play in particular. Colorado Rapids um, have have wonderful depth kind of all over the field. They're too deep everywhere, which isn't something that always happens in MLS, just with the uh, salary restraints and, 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 you know, just general roster building. Um, they've been kind of the everybody's favorite sleeper, though, over the past couple of days. Uh, uh, apparently at Odds Checker, they have been uh they've gotten the most bets placed on them to win the tournament and they're at like plus four thousand so that's my only worry with them is that my, my first thought was that they'd be they'd be a solid sleeper but then after you see um everybody else having the same thought you know you, you usually kind of tend to pull back a little bit but um sporting kansas city right. when when it comes to continuity i think they're a good shout um both both again they have the balance of talent continuity and depth so i mean there there are a number of teams that realistically are air quote favorites um it'd be silly to kind of pull one ahead of the others and then you know when it comes to like that second tier of you know good value play or you know this wouldn't surprise me if you know the rapids are probably mm-hmm. at the top of that group but you know like i said uh joking around that that now that other people think that too they're, they're not yeah. for anymore so right. then you know it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of like that uh, fantasy football sleeper that everybody loves with and then somebody takes mm-hmm. three rounds too early and then he's just not worth it so who knows let me ask you, Tom, before we let you go, only got about uh, a minute left here about Carlos Vela and him pulling out of this tournament. More than understandable. Wife is pregnant. Mm-hmm. I get all of that. I'm just curious of how it impacts LAFC. I mean, this is the reigning MVP of the league. I think they're still favored, though, to you know to win this tournament. How do you think the absence of Carlos Vela will impact this team? Martinez in Atlanta also, right? Yeah, Martinez is going to hurt significantly more than than uh, Atlanta than Vela will with LAFC. Um, what's funny about with Vela is with LAFC, they've done such a good job with the roster build that you're going to take away the player who statistically had the greatest season in MLS history last year. And I'm like, yeah, they're still pretty great because they're, <laughs> they're I don't know, I don't know if I want to go too in the weeds, but they have three designated players. Vela is one of them, and the other two are also both wingers, and they're both Uruguayan internationals. So it. You'd rather have Vela, obviously, but this gives you the chance that you can just play those two players in their uh, uh, natural positions, and and they'll be fine. Again, they they won't have the best player in best single season player in league history, but they're going to have two you know young uh, 20, 21 year old uh, Uruguayan internationals. So uh, LAFC with an embarrassment of riches, they'll be fine. <laughs> well, thanks, Tom, for spending a couple of minutes uh, with us. You can catch all of his work. You can catch him on Twitter as well, at Tom Bogart. And, and, Tom, you know, come on back and join us. You know, as this tournament goes on, we'd be happy to have you come on back and uh, fill us in on the right leans to have throughout. Sound good? Look, fellas, yeah, whenever you call him in. Sounds awesome. good. Thanks again, Tom, for spending a couple of minutes with us. When we come back, we turn our attention. You know, we talk about the ESPN campus. There's other campuses out there that are making news. We'll talk about that when we come back, putting the fun and functional sports content right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line, Kevin and I. We just, you know, we just had a couple of minutes with Tom, Kev, and I think that he, you know, he says some really good things, you know, about maybe Vegas' impact in L.A. is not that big because they are deep. And I also thought it was interesting how he talked about depth being tested. You know, in Major League Baseball, we talked about in the sprint of the season, the depth may not be tested, right? When we talk about the five substitutions and the intense game that some teams like Philadelphia, who, uh, you know, start in about an hour from now, I thought he gave us some really good insights about this MLS's back tournament and also talking about teams like the Rapids and KC as some sleepers out there. Yeah, and also, I mean, he made me, like, look it up, like the exact numbers that Carlos Vela put forward last year yeah. for LAFC. 33 games, 36 goals, 16 assists. 
Yeah, yeah. sounds ridiculous to me. <laughs> and then the fact that like he's like, yeah, they'll be fine. I mean, what a ridiculously talented team LAFC is offering. I was wondering to myself a bit when I was looking in the futures market at the FanDuel Sportsbook, and they were still favored yeah. at 5-1 to one to be the outright winners. And I, part of me, and I, I, clearly I was wrong, was like, oh, I wonder if maybe people are just not hitting the outright market enough to where FanDuel mm. hasn't moved anything in Vea's absence. I didn't see the numbers before the news around Carlos Vea. Maybe they did move the numbers. Maybe they just didn't need to move them that much because of how loaded this team is. So now I think certainly for myself, and I mean, LAFC was always going to be a big deal, but even more so now. Like, that's a game to circle to make sure you kind of put a time aside for, to make sure you kind of just check out what that team is bringing to the table. I think their first game might be on a, uh, next coming Monday. So definitely one to watch. We'll check that out. And he gave us some good stuff, so I think we'll invite Tom and make him officially a friend of the show. Come on back and talk a little bit of soccer and MLS with us. I mentioned, though, you know, we call the Wide World of Sports at ESPN a campus, right? And Mm. we're starting to talk about these other campuses. You know, you talked about how the NFL just waited, right? Well, there's been a lot of news about schools reopening in the fall and what that may look like. That is a huge topic in this country right now. And when it talks about, like, you know, universities and colleges opening, make me think about college sports and there was some news out there around that yesterday kev you know i saw a couple of things one ivy league they ain't doing sports in the fall okay they've already made that decision that they're not going to take on the additional risk of sports in the ivy league right i also saw stanford known as one of the ivy league schools of the west shall we say they have made the decision to i guess cancel 11 of their 36 sports including some that are you know not the huge major ones but i would consider second tier sports like wrestling volleyball field hockey rowing these are sports that are in important there that they are kind of contracting because I think universities are starting to see time is ticking. They got to start making calls. There's no official federal guidance on anything. And so they've got to start making these decisions and these institutions, it looks like for the most part, are starting to err on the side of caution, Kev. So the Ivy League story is probably one of the biggest stories that we've had thus far. The idea that they are going to have their fall sports delayed to the earliest being January 1st is a very big deal. It sounds a little silly, but like they were the first ones to cancel their tournament. The college, back when we were playing college basketball, they were the first ones. And eventually, everybody followed suit. And I know it's a bit cliche that, oh, look, what the smart schools did, but look at what the smart schools did. I, I mean, it's just, it's because one of the things is, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday, and I, I, I think this is correct, right? In that there's a lot of schools, right, where their foundations are their athletic programs. Right. For the Ivy League schools, right? Not again, the case. I'm, <laughs> right? The foundation, it's their academic programs. Like, that's where I believe, I think, most of their money is made. Like, that's the more important side for them, right? So right. they don't have to prioritize athletics over the, the right decisions that need to be made, right? Like, and we, we're not naive to this. Financial decisions is, is, are what's being made here. Time and time again when it comes to this virus. Like it or not, that's the reality. The financial decision for a Harvard is not going to be looked at through the prism of their college basketball team. It's just not. And this then to me now, for the rest of college football, I mean, the idea that, you know, only the Power Fives are going to be playing, or the idea that, like, only two conferences in football are going to be playing... I'm not sure. And I do also think if they push the year back to start in January, what does that then do for play, for athletes that were going to play in those sports that have aspirations of playing at the next level? At that point, do you just say, eh, I'm going to work out and hopefully I can you know, get myself drafted and go out about it that way? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's smart. Like the decision tree, you know, for the schools, for the athletes, for the teams, for the pro leagues that may have to think about their prospects. You know, it's very, Mm -hmm. very interesting. I remember telling you, Kev, that if I was, you know, if I was Trevor Lawrence, I might declare. 
right now. You know, why right. risk Clemson and have to go through this where injury could uh, hurt my stock, where now COVID could hurt my stock? I think it's interesting, though, Kev, that you framed it as look at what the quote-unquote smart schools are doing. That was your mm -hmm. terminology. And so I want to ask you if this represents the opposite end of that continuum, Kev, without using any words or labeling anything that good old Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh had to say yesterday, okay? Because he seems like he's on the other side of this continuum. I'm not labeling yeah. it, though, but you describe the other side as smart. Um, he's out there saying things like COVID, and, and I quote, COVID is part of our society. It wasn't caused by football or caused by sports. And then get this, Kev. There is no hmm. expert view right now that I'm aware of that sports is going to make that worse. I, I'm not an expert. But, Kev, I think there's plenty of views out there that are concerned about sports making it worse. That's why sports didn't happen for months. That's why there's no fans in the stands. That's why baseballs are being traded out every third pitch. That's why we're establishing a bubble in pro sports. So I, I, I don't know if Harbaugh gets it. He's also saying you can't cancel college football because these kids have trained their whole lives for this. Guess what? Uh, Olympic athletes trained their whole lives for the summer 2020 games. It didn't happen. Um, so, you know, I, I think this approach, I think this mentality, I think this vantage point represents the opposite side of the continuum you were just describing, Kev. What say you? Hey, Jim. Hey. Watch the news. And if you do watch the news, watch different news. <laughs> the idea that we go, it's a part of our society. What are we going to do? Hey, man, look around the world. It doesn't have to be a part of our society. The options aren't, oh, do we have to stay inside forever? Like, you know, come on, like, let's just get back out there. No, pay attention around you. You don't even have to leave the country. Just look at what New York did, which was the epicenter of the virus in this country. It doesn't have to be this way. And when someone with the voice of Jim Harbaugh offers this, it is dangerous because then his athletes will feel pressured to have to show up or fall out of favor or maybe have their right. scholarships taken away. And to be honest with you, there are so many players in college football that it would have to be such a star player to have that happen to them for it to probably make enough news. That's the thing. And I know Harbaugh knows nothing other than football. He probably won't know what to do with himself. But then, if you want football, act accordingly. Don't be numb to a pandemic. Don't be numb to a pandemic. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, and the other part for me is this. like When universities... And, you know, Harvard is one of them that's already come out. Others are considering this, making this decision official. Um, Ohio State, I think, stopped their workouts. Talk about Michigan's rivalry. Like, states are realizing that this is going to be a, a cluster F. You know, it just is. And I think that is becoming more and more obvious to all as we go along. And, and for me, the thing is this, Kev. I don't understand how an institution of higher learning, a university, can say the campus is not safe for the student body to come onto campus and gather and have in-person classes. We're moving to a fully remote model for fall of 2020, which a number of universities are going out there saying. And then in the same breath or out of the other side of your mouth or whatever you want to say, mm -hmm. also then say... There's nothing wrong here with having college football happen. You know, you can't, it can't be both. Either the risk is great enough that you're not having regular classes and not having kids on campus, or it's not. You know, and if the risk is great enough, 
then that blows what Harbaugh's opinion is out of the water because then there is experts, you know, who think that it's going to make it worse. The same experts who clued in the decision for the university to not open its campus to students this fall. I just see, like, those they're in conflict with each other, Kev. Also, he's coaching at the school that proudly, so it's a little, might be a little bit fixed, but proudly holds a record of like 100,000 people being at the game Dumbly every house. single game, every single year, right? Like, how are, they, how are they meant to operate without that? Or does he just think we're going to fill them up? Like, the, there just has to come a point where people actually acknowledge what is going on. And it's not easy. This isn't easy. Like, do you think yeah. it was easy? Like, do you think it was easy to come to terms that like we're just staying in all the time? No. Right. You think it's easy for you and I to do a sports show every day when there were no sports on? Like, no, it's wild. But we did it because that's what we had to do. Because that was the necessary steps to take. And it is important for people in the position that Jim Harbaugh is in to do those things, to take those. I'm pretty sure his brother John, though, also has like, if I'm not mistaken, has been like, yeah, I don't know how we're meant to pull this off. So like, call right. John. Call him. Talk to your brother. And here's the other thing. I'm with you, right? And, like, we're seeing how with all the money in the world and the union negotiating with leagues, how hard this is to figure out a solution, right? College mm -hmm. kids don't have a union. College kids don't have this representation. You know, there's already that dynamic at play, which I think further complicates this in college sports. But the clock is ticking. When we come back, we are joined by our guy, George Kurtz, because there's news in another sport that we haven't talked about. The NHL is up next with George. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Kevin Walsh and I giving you the edge and putting the fun and functional sports content all the time. Kev, it's like a it's like a variety pack here today. You know, we're talking soccer, we're talking baseball, we're talking football, and we are going to talk some hockey now as well. We got our hockey friend of the show, George Kurtz. You can see him on this network all over the place, including in game live with yours truly. How you doing so far this morning? George, no shortage of news to discuss. Yeah, uh, sports are ramping up again, right? So uh, very good to be here. It certainly feels that way, George. You know, we're going to start being double booked left and right with way too much stuff to cover, but we will get into it now. For me, you know, I, I admit I am a casual uh, NHL fan. I check in on the news every now and then. I remember about a month ago we had you, George, and it was like they're debating these hub cities, the format of the brackets and these sorts of things. Well, they have decided the hub cities, and I got to tell you, there was a little bit of a surprise to me because, George, they're both in Canada, right? The West, I believe, is going to be in Edmonton, the East in Toronto. Uh, America didn't make the cut for this, George? <laughs> well, uh, listen, Vegas was the odds-on favorite for a long time, but when the COVID sort of went rampant there, they said, you know what, maybe we shouldn't play there. They probably did the smart thing. I mean, Edmonton makes sense only because, well, two reasons. One, it's cold at Edmonton almost all year round, and the ice surface is generally the best there, really, uh, in the NHL. Very good ice surface. But more importantly, no one's going to Edmonton, guys. Nobody. <laughs> You're not going to Edmonton, so it should be safe in uh, there. Toronto was really the replacement for Vegas. You know, and as a Canada makes sense. It is a Canadian sport. You know, and listen, a lot of countries, a lot yeah. of places here in the United States are having their issues here. They didn't have a, really a second option. Chicago was sort of a fallback option. Same with Los Angeles. How do we feel, George, though, about everything that they had to come to terms on? Does, does it seem like the, the, these two sides, you know, 
work together here and they found a solution where, where both parties can be happy. Because like I look at baseball and I just I think that they've really tattered that relationship for a long time. When you look at the state of hockey, do do you feel like they are on good terms and everybody is optimistic about finishing this season? Well they're optimistic. I mean, there are. Listen, you're going to hear some players say we should we should be coming back. You know that sort of thing. That's in every sport. Players will disagree, but for the most yeah. part, they are optimistic. The fact that they're going to do it in two hub cities. I mean, the way it's going to work, the Eastern Conference will be in Toronto, Western Conference will be in Edmonton. The Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup, assuming we get that far, will also be in Edmonton. They won't split those up. They'll also be in Edmonton, so they'll go down to one hub city. They have confidence that it'll get uh, get done. Like all sports have confidence. We'll see what happens here. I think what's uh, maybe the NHL learned from the PR disaster that was Major League Baseball. Yeah. Not fight, not fight through the media, get the job done. Because not only did they get the health and safety protocols done, but they agreed on a CBA. Now the players are actually ratifying it right now. I'm looking at today, today's Thursday, uh, for tomorrow. They are, uh, they're all voting. The entire membership is voting on it right now about a CBA to get it ratified. So if they can get that done, I will. Have, I think they learned from the uh, from Major League Baseball what a disaster that was, and not fight over idiotic stuff. Hey George, I want to ask you a question about kind of the the sequence of all of this. All right, because another piece of the details that I heard were about the start date for next season, right? And what this offseason will be like when you kick the can down the road on this season, much like in the NBA, I wonder how they're going to fit everything else in, you know? I know the way you feel about the draft lottery already and how they've gotten through that part, but now what we're talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, George, but it's about five or six weeks in between when they crown a Stanley Cup champion to when they're going to start next season. So how are the other mechanics of the league going to happen? Free agents agency, preseason, those sorts of things. Do you think they got that part right in terms of how they schedule what needs to happen now without fully compromising the offseason or next year? Well, this is where, like you said, compromise. Both sides are going to have to compromise. If things work perfectly, the NHL figures the last game of the Stanley Cup will be somewhere around the first week in October. Okay, so let's see. On a normal season, that would generally be mid-June, and then you'd have about three months off until mid-September or early September, around the 10th, before training camp opens. You're not going to have three months off this time. All right, that's not mm. going to happen. They're hoping to start next season in December. They haven't really said what time in December yet. Are we talking mid-December? Early, you know, late December, Christmas time? We don't know yet. So we'll see how that works there. So you're only going to get at most probably two and a half months. Not terrible, but it's about what you're going to get. But you're not going to play 82 games, right? That's not going to happen. Maybe you're going to play 60 games, three quarters of a season. Uh-huh. Although they haven't really said that yet. Both sides still have to negotiate on that. But, hey, if they can get the playoffs in, I think they would be thrilled. And you, you would take three quarters of a season next year and then get back to normal for the 21 22 so do you think then that they that they are coming to terms with that? It's not just going to be this season that is messed up, right? Because I think I saw, right, that they're putting forth a memo that might maybe be around, like, that the 1st of December. I remember when the NBA did the same, and they were met with immediate pushback of, like, that is way too soon. Is it, like, I understand they have to sort these things out, but, it like, is it really necessary to figure out the start of the 2020-2021 season? Because isn't even there some benefits to trying to delay it a bit? Who knows where we'll be come 2021, but maybe you could have fans if you wait long enough. And then obviously financially, that would be great for all involved. Do I think that, listen, I don't think the NHL needs to rush this. As Dane brought up, he brought up the lottery. They rushed that for some reason. Why are you doing, why are you doing a draft line? Why did you feel to do that now? You know, I don't understand the NHL sometimes. The NHL likes to think they're up there with the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. You know, they're not. All right, you don't have that kind of following here. Nobody really cared about that. You oh, we had the NHL draft. Even if the NHL draft was running normal, nobody would care. Okay, at least very few people would care. I guarantee you, if you ask the normal fan who the number one overall pick will be in the NHL draft, whenever that is, they wouldn't know. All right, this is not football where we all knew it was going to be Burrow. You know, yeah. oh, where's two are going? This sort of thing. It's not like that in hockey. The average fan would not know. All right, that's just the way it is in hockey. So they don't feel they shouldn't feel they shouldn't feel the need to rush anything. Getting finishing yeah. this season and crowning a Stanley Cup champion, whether it be in early October, mid October, later, whatever it is, would be a great thing for the NHL. 
right? You're not going to get in all of next season. You're just not going to do that. You're going to have to wait a little bit and do it right. Hey, George, there was a piece of news from the NHL that I saw yesterday around the New Jersey Devils, and it looks like they are uh, coming to an agreement on their new head coach. And it's, uh, it looks like it's Lindy Ruff. How do you feel about that one? They also, it looks like, are going to stick with their interim GM, kind of removing the interim tag. So I guess league business continues to take place even, uh, even during a pandemic and out there in New Jersey, huh? You know, Devils were interesting here because Lindy Ruff is – He's that old coach. The guy gets recycled. Been around a bunch of teams. Right. He was at the Rangers last season uh, coaching defense. Uh, that didn't go well, by the way. Their defense is terrible. Uh, but he's <clears> that guy. He's sort of the guy you, you feel safe about, right? It's Lindy Ruff. Everybody knows who Lindy Ruff is. He'll command respect right away. It's Lindy Ruff. You know, he's been with Dallas. Like he's Dusty been with Baker would be in around the baseball. Time. Uh, sorry, say again? I said, like, Dusty Baker might be in Major League Baseball kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Probably not quite as accomplished as Dusty Baker, I wouldn't think. But, yes, you get the idea here. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald, who had the interim to take remove that GM, he is the, the rookie. He's the young guy. I mean, so it was strange where they would go with the rookie GM but the old coach. Maybe they feel safer doing that. You know, they think that's going to work out best for them to have uh, – one guy who at least has major experience and can sort of help the other guy. But I was surprised they went in this direction. Also, I think when you want to, when you have an older coach, Lindy Ruff type, you want to have that team that's ready to compete, an older team. You know, and the Devils are not that. They've been bad. They've been bad for a, quite a while now. I don't know if Lindy Ruff is the guy to get them out of this funk. I personally would have went in a different direction. They did not. They went with the safe choice here. I think I would have rolled the dice a little bit more. George, I want to talk to you a little bit about kind of where you're at right now then, I guess, with how who you can see winning, right? I know a while back we talked about some of the series prices, and I'm wondering it, you know, if anything's changed for you. But also, whenever I go to the FanDuel Sportsbook, I have to look at their odds boost. And I don't know, George, but maybe they're trying to bait you here, because the only odds boost they're offering is the New York Islanders to win the Eastern Conference. It was 20-1. to 1. It is now 24 to 1. I don't know for odds boost reasons. I know you've been actually, you know, you're very honest about your teams, and I think you've been a bit lower on them because of how they finished the season. Thoughts on the Islanders? Thoughts on the odd boost being offered at the FanDuel Sportsbook? If not for the pandemic, the Islanders would not have made the playoffs. All right. They were they lost eleven of thirteen when the pandemic happened. They were they were, you know, they were the Titanic. They were going down. They couldn't score goals. They were having other issues there. Not a surprise. They don't have goal scorers there. They rely on their defense and their goaltending. The defense is solid. The goaltending is also solid. It's not great. There's no carry price for the Islanders. No great goaltender there. Not Dominic Hasek in his prime. You know, it's not that kind of goalie there. So uh, the Islanders, like I said, they were lucky to get in because of the pandemic. I don't think they would have gotten in otherwise. They're not winning the Stanley Cup. Okay? That's not happening. Now, if you're trying to figure out who's going to win the Stanley Cup, it's a weird little thing going on here because in some ways, uh, if you're in the play-in round, that's bad, right? Well, you might lose the play-in round, right? That, that's bad. But you get to play meaningful hockey, significant hockey. To get by that, you should be ready to go quicker than one of the teams that has the bye. If you have this bye week, uh, I'm calling it a bye week because it's going to take about a week for the first round to get done. Well, you're not playing meaningful hockey. Yeah, you have to play and you're going to determine seeding. But it's not the same thing as playing in a playoff series. So I do wonder if the uh, the good teams, because those are the teams that got the bye, the Tampa Bay's, the Boston's, Vegas, stuff like that. I wonder if they will be behind the eight ball a little bit. And when they play in that in the second, well, what really is the second round with the Angels calling it the first round, if it'll take them a game or two. So I wonder about betting the favorites there, guys. Teams like Tampa Bay. What if they're already down two games to none before they really get their legs going? So I just think uh, that a team that wins this play-in round, let's say Pittsburgh, for instance, will be at an advantage. If they can get by Montreal, if they can get by Carey Price, and uh, he's the only reason they lose, they'd be ready to play that second round against whatever team they play, Boston, Tampa Bay, one of those. I think I'm leaning more towards a play-in round team going further than one of those bye teams. Yeah, that makes sense because I always know the idea of the hot goalie, and that can happen when you start getting hot in that first round. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, George. I'm sure I will be talking to you very, very soon, but thanks for spending a couple of minutes on the early line with us. When we come back, Kevin and I wrap up today's episode and give you the edge right here on SportsGrid. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in here on the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. I'm Dane, he's Kevin, and we put the fun and functional sports content Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Kev, earlier in the show, when we were talking about Raheem Mostert, we put a poll question up. All right, and we asked everybody out there, will Raheem Mostert still be on the 49ers when the football season gets going on week one? Now, I know we don't know when week one is going to be necessarily, but the we thank everybody who's out there voting, who's out there bright and early with us, cock-a-doodle doing it here on the early line. Kev, the votes are in. And uh, I don't want to say they see it my way versus your way per se, but 69% of the people still believe that uh, Mostert is going to be a 49er once the season starts. 30, 69.7%, so really 70% say yes, he will still be with San Fran, whereas about 30, 31% say no. Uh, Does that mean I win our debate? No, not at all. Uh, Because I'm glad you, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you avoid saying it that way. Because basically, this then would require a number of follow-up questions. Really? So for the, for those who voted yes, are they going to pay him? Yeah, okay, you know what I mean. Like, oh, okay, yeah, then no, that goes to, right. Like, well, is he going to? Is there going to be a holdout? Like, how do you? Like, there's right. a lot of caveats here. We put it. We, you know, when you put a poll, I can't write. Yes, they will pay him. Yes, he will hold out. Like, no, there won't Nine be a season. option poll will be out there, and the leading vote yeah, yeah, yeah. will have 14% of the vote. No, I think that's true. You're right. I, I, I say this more to mean that I don't – let's put it this way. If you saw the headline right on the bottom line or someplace like that, you would say – uh, it would say Raheem Mostert demanded a trade or asked for a trade. I yeah. don't think the San Francisco 49ers are going to cave to his demand. That's basically if the way he is traded. Does that mean they caved? Yeah. Okay. I guess it depends on the value they got back, right? If 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 someone gets Raheem Mostert for a first and a second round pick, then no, it's not caving. Oh gosh. And by no, the way, Bill O'Brien bad. is sitting right by his phone if that's <laughs> what they want to do. But uh, Watson for Mostert, straight up. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, Watson and JJ Watt. I saw on uh, social media someone being like, "Breaking news: uh, Bill O'Brien trades Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt from Raheem Mostart yeah. and a third round pick." You know that kind of thing. But there's MLS games as well. Day two of the MLS's back tournament. NYC in Philadelphia gets going in about 15 minutes, and then you got Montreal and the New England Revolution tonight. Kev, you got picks on that game or anything else out there? Make us some money today here on the early line. Yeah, so I'm going to take us actually over to the TBT tournament. I don't know if people yeah, saw this yesterday, again. but the defending champions yesterday got go knocked down. out. Carmen's crew got upset by House of Pain. Uh, overseas Elite is still, by the way, if you want to play this on the outright market, plus 190, that should move when the only team that's ever taken a game off of them in the history of TBT is now eliminated. So if you want to play it in the futures market, I like that move. But I do like both of these games today. I think Overseas Elite is just, it's they're probably the best team. Obviously, they, you know, they have to win a title. They're the most talented roster that's ever been put forward in TBT. The money team is coached by a nurse. Yeah, like related to Nick Nurse, Dan Nurse is coaching the money team. I heard Fran Fraschilla on one of the broadcasts talking about how they have almost an NBA-level backcourt, like G League MVPers, going up against the Herd, that team that pulled off a massive upset just to get here to show up in this matchup. The thing is, instead of going out there, laying points, Elon Lending can obviously, ending can get things a little tricky. What you can do, though, at the FanDuel Sportsbook is you can moneyline parlay those two games, it brings us to, to minus uh, 141, which is an incredibly reasonable price. I think both of those teams go out there and continue to move on. They're two of the best teams in the tournament and a nice money line parlay option for people out there that want to get involved with the TBT tournament. All right, fair enough. So if you try to play in a little bit in the tournament where the number one seed did in fact go down yesterday, Kevin has leans for you the morning after. We'll have some leans for you. We'll have our guy Jared Smith join us in a couple of seconds to see what they're talking about today. Listen, 
I thought what I saw last night in the Orlando-Miami game was clear. In the first half, feeling each other out, a little bit of sloppiness. And then what we also heard was the idea of the tired legs can help Mm. open it up in the second half. Our guy Tom, who came in uh, earlier this hour, mentioned the idea that the five substitutions instead of just the three can move the needle here where you need guys with fresh legs in the second half. I think all of these things mean somewhere I was going beforehand and Tom only reinforced it for me. I think these games are going to start slow and open Mm. up in the second half. So when I look at NYCFC versus the Union today, which gets going, like I said, in about 10 minutes, so you can still get this bet in. On the goal props tab, okay, you can always bet which half will have more goals. Okay, the first half, the second half, or will that, in essence, be a draw? It is another three-way bet. I think the way to play this is if you believe these things are going to open up, bet the Mm. second half. Bet the second half will have more goals. There were three goals in the second half last night as opposed to the nil-nil draw that was the case in the first half. Uh, You you heard, by the way, I saw you smile, Kev, that when Tom said it had nil-nil first half written all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how I reacted to that one, right? But I think... I think the thesis holds true. So when I look Mm -hmm. at this first game, NYC and Philly, um, first half is plus 205. Kev, second half is minus 108 right now. That's not a ton of juice because the draw, right, like a tie in first half and second half goals is plus 250. Give me that there will be more goals scored in the second half of NYC versus Philly that starts and give it to me at minus 108. What do you say, Kev? I love it. Um, I'm very, very excited to watch this game. I wanted to see if I can find something a little wild for this one, right? All right. Yes, let's go plus money hunting. We're doing MLS. They have time of first goal by time interval within every 10 minutes. So the favorite is actually for the first goal to happen within the first 10 minutes. It's plus 280. 40 and, to 50. And like you look, like, 40 to 50. if you want to... So so it's 41st to halftime and then it's 46 wow. to 55th. So if you want if you want if you want 46 to 55th, it's 11 to 1. Like that's not bad. It's not bad at all. As I would be under the theory of the 0-0 beginning and it opening up and someone, you know, strikes gold early in the second half. To be quite honest, that's exactly the flow of what happened last night. I think though there was as we as we listened to Tom, he also talked about Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Union, and how they just got out and go right. I don't know, plus three forty, eleventh minute to twentieth minute. <laughs> I think this is the kind of bet with nice plus money, Dane. You get to have a lot of fun because you got a twenty minute window because the whole first ten minutes now you're like no one score, no one score, and then you got eleven right. to twenty, and you want all the goals. I just think. I'd be interested in it. It's Look, I'm not out here telling people this is a slam dunk play, but I think it's something to have a little bit of fun with if you're looking to have a little fun with this game and see about to get off. All right, fair enough, and we'll see how we did when we are here back tomorrow. Now, the morning after is up next, and so what we do is we got our guy, my man, Jared Smith, comes on in. And, Jared, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We spent a little bit of time this morning, Jared, talking about the Raheem Mostar trade demand. I personally just don't think the San Francisco 49ers are going to care about his demands. He could say whatever he wants. I personally think that they're not going to find fair value in a trade. We put up a poll question on will Mostar be a member of the 49ers when week one rolls around, whenever that might be. 70% say yes, 30% say no. Jared, how would you uh, kind of vote in that poll? How do you think the most 49ers uh, back and forth is going to go down? Yeah, having a little bit of issue here in Jared right now. Um, I did see the other day, though, uh, Dane, that Jared was kind of tweeting out about Jarek McKinnon um, having a nice season. Now, I, hopefully we can sort his um, Jared's audio out because one of the things that Jared likes to do to get his morning started you guys got me? is rip through hey. about 100 plays on you got me now? So there we go, Jared. 
Hey. Hey. I, I, look, look, look. Let's, let's, get into, let's get into the weeds right here, right? We've got a thousand soccer plays out there, and I'll, I'll just, I gotta love every single one of them because I just, I just like to hit the ground running. But you know that, like, I'm, al- I'm always fascinated, right, when you get into your spreadsheets, your unit sizes, right? I'm seeing 70, you know, 0.73 units. Like seven three? Oh yeah, you got by the, putting it the, to seven uh, five. Bet this morning. No, here I'll, I'll yeah, explain yeah. the MLS bet. This is this is right up your alley. This is right up your alley, okay. K-Dub. So so this is essentially an under one and a half bet for the first half. So mm. if there's zero goals scored, it's plus two seventy. If there's one okay. goal scored, it's plus one seventy. If you combine those two in in the magic hedge calculator, you get uh, about sure. minus one seventy five is what you would have to you'd have to be laying about seventy five cents of juice to get back the full one unit. So it's basically mm-hmm. under one and a half goals first half for minus one seventy five. That's essentially the bet. I like uh, it. And, and it, I, I do think it's going to be a sleepy start. We'll ever see a nine a.m. soccer game. That's <laughs> unless we're in Europe and it's like three over there. But if for here, that's exactly I what I just said. It's going to be weird. The early games. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you, Jared. I, 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 I sliced it a different way, as you know about our conglomerate. I'm on that the second half will have more goals than the first half I like in this too. NYC yeah. game. Same kind of theory. Sloppy, sleepy start, and then it could open up a little bit. These guys aren't necessarily fully fit yet either, so I could see it opening up tired legs and the five substitutions really coming in and making an impact on the second half. I also, I didn't, we didn't get your response. I was asking you about Raheem Mostert. I just don't think the 49ers are going to care about his demands, and he's still a vital part of that backfield. Jared, in the same way we've discussed, I don't think the Jets care about Jamal Adams' demand. What do you think? Will most start being the Niners when the season starts? The, the the Jamal Adams thing, I don't want to get started. I'll get with you for an hour about Jamal Adams. So, hmm. Raheem Mostert, I, listen, it, you, you look at numbers of running backs that have left Kyle Shanahan offenses, it hasn't it has not fared well. Ask Devontae Freeman how, how it's fared for him. After, now, granted, that was a different situation. It was Shanahan that was leaving in that in that spot and not Freeman. Uh, but it, the point is, leaving a Shanahan offense does not bode well for running backs, historically. And and that's something we're going to talk about on the show today. So uh, I, I think it's it's a it, it's a slippery slope for Mr. Mostert because I do, do you know he's trying to get his money. He's you know over the hill of, in terms of running back years, but he might the grass isn't always greener on the other side. He might be moving to a spot where he could totally yeah. scuttle his career. So I, yeah. and San Francisco is by all accounts fine. If Jared McKinnon is healthy this year, Kevin and 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 mm-hmm. Jane, I, I think that's a that's an unbelievably buy, buy low spot for a guy like him. All right, and we'll see, and I know you'll talk about it more because the morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 